Welcome to Fiduciary Talk. I'm Dwayne Thompson, Senior Policy Analyst at FI360. And here with me today is Blaine Aiken, Executive Chairman at FI360. Welcome, Blaine. Thank you, Dwayne. It's good to be here. Well, uh, today we're going to look at recent efforts by the Department of Labor to encourage the use of lifetime income options and qualified default investment alternatives, or QDIAs for short, uh, with something of a twist. We're now starting to see a small number of target date funds, by far the most popular option in QDIAs, I think as most of our audience knows, uh, but they're beginning to add an annuity component. And because congressional law allowing the use of QDIAs as a voluntary safe harbor for planned fiduciaries did not include lifetime income as a default option, Blaine, can you provide us some history on this issue and, and why the DOL recently seemed to be giving a green light to the whole notion of adding lifetime income options? And by the way, when I refer to lifetime income app options, which is sort of a, a mouthful, for the most part I'm referring to fixed annuities. Sure, Dwayne. I'm happy to uh, talk a little bit about this. It, as you know, in my recent retirement column for Investment News, I highlighted an, uh, what you would call an information letter that was released by the Department of Labor in late December. Uh, this was in response to a request for clarification from TIAA about whether a new product of theirs could safely be used by planned fiduciaries in a participant-directed retirement plan. So this DOL letter affirmed that given appropriate facts and circumstances, uh, the product could fulfill its fiduciary obligation. I believe it is fair to say that the letter encourages plan sponsors to more actively consider the use of annuities generally in QDIAs. It, it really is my feeling that the steady decline in defined benefit plans and uncertainty about the future of Social Security are, are really what's prompting regulators and, in fact, the marketplace to look for ways to encourage the use of annuities as workers prepare to retire. Uh, in this specific case, TIAA wanted assurance from the DOL that its target date fund product called Income for Life custom portfolios would fit under the safe harbor created by Congress in 2006 uh, for QDIAs, or at least that it could be used as a default option even if it didn't meet the full definition that would technically technically qualify as a, as a QDIA. Uh, this product in itself is pretty innovative. Uh, it uses a fixed annuity as part of the fixed income portion of the product's glide path. Um, and as, as described in the DOL guidance, the TIA's product is structured so that this uh, so-called annuity sleeve of the TDF would gradually increase as the participant ages. Uh, so for example, it increases from 7% of the portfolio at age 45 to about 40% at age 65. The percentage allocation in the annuity sleeve is eventually capped at 50%. Uh, this is all uh, intriguing. Now, the DOL's response to TIAA, uh, it also noted the original intent of the department in drafting the, the regulation was, quote, an overarching focus on the long-term accumulation of retirement savings as a way to ensure uh, adequate retirement income by workers. 
in a way, uh, doesn't encouraging investing in a fixed annuity at an early stage of the target date fund seem counterintuitive to the broader purpose of uh, addressing inflation risk and uh, some of the other factors that uh, uh, come into play uh, when you're in your uh, accumulation period? Well, yeah, I think it may seem counterintuitive, but in, in a way, I think this is more of an admission uh, by the DOL that they really only looked at half of the issue, the accumulation side, and that the distribution side is also important. Uh, the letter did go on to say that the Pension Protection Act that created the rules around QDIAs subsequently precipitated a national discussion around the importance of these lifetime income products. And as you know, I mean, the, Q, the final QDIA, QDIA rule uh, created that safe harbor for plan sponsors. It, it allowed them to use target date funds, managed funds, or managed accounts as default investments when a plan participant doesn't overtly choose what they want to do. Well, everybody, everybody thinks of these products as accumulation vehicles, but over the last decade, more and more attention is being paid to these lifetime annuity pro or income products, I should say, lifetime income products as a reasonable way to protect participants against longevity risk and the potential for investment losses as they approach or whenever they're in retirement. And I think this is especially true when you consider that aging retirees run the risk of declining cognitive abilities that might interfere with their ability to prudently manage a portfolio on their own. So locking things down with something like this uh, does make a lot of sense. So there has been a recognized need for these lifetime in income options uh, in default investments, but the reality is that fiduciaries haven't felt like that they could or should recommend them because the DOL hadn't given clear, uh, the clear green light yet to use them in this way. Now, I wouldn't say that the department is really giving a no-holds-barred type endorsement of fixed annuities as a prudent standalone investment alternative and in all situations through this, lever, uh, this particular letter, but it is certainly giving guidance as to what the circumstances uh, would be when an annuity product might serve investors' best interest in a default option, and they also provided uh, insights as to what fiduciary obligations do come into play when a fiduciary is considering them. So what kind of insights did the, the DOL provide uh, in, in TIAA's request? Well, the DOL's response is interesting because the QDIA uh, limits the kinds of default options under the safe harbor, as you and I have, uh, just discussed, and it sets certain conditions. Well, two of the conditions that, the, uh, that are involved here is that the option has to have reasonable liquidity and that it must give the participant the ability to easily transfer assets uh, to a different plan option. But in this particular instance, uh, although this TIAA product does allow transfers within, uh, without restriction for the first 12 months, it does begin to restrict transfers from the annuity sleeve uh, of this TDF over the next seven-year period. So this conflicts with the conditions of the rule which say that the investment option 
must permit the transfer of assets no less frequently than once in any three-month period. So consequently, the, the DOL determined that TIAA's annuity sleeve would not meet the liquidity and transferability requirements of a QDIA, but uh, this finding didn't actually come as a surprise to TIAA. They noted these concerns when, in their letter uh, whenever they sent it to the DOL. But what they were also arguing was that it should still be considered a suitable default option, even if, if it isn't technically a qualified default option. And the good news is that the DOL agreed with that argument. Uh, as you know, Dwayne, whenever we teach our accredited investment fiduciary classes, we talk about the fact that safe harbors provide a very specific way to insulate a fiduciary from liability, but it's not the only way. Uh, the question of compliance is oftentimes a matter of facts and circumstances. So while the TIAA product didn't fully meet the conditions of the safe harbor, the DOL used this opportunity to provide guidance by eliminating, or by elaborating, I should say, on the facts and circumstances that fiduciaries could use as an alternative way to essentially fulfill their obligations with an annuity component as part of a default option. And so what kind of specific guidance uh, did the department's letter uh, provide? Well, they offered a lot of guidance. Uh, the DOL noted that even though the liquidity and transfer restrictions would prevent the annuity component from meeting all the QDIA requirements, uh, by engaging in a thorough and analytical process that considers all the relevant facts and circumstances, a fiduciary could meet the more general requirements for a default option. So, for example, the, the analysis of the annuity component would need to consider the nature and duration of the liquidity restrictions, uh, the level of the guarantees of principal and minimum interest rates, any opportunities that there might be for guaranteed minimum interest rates to be supplemented with additional credited amounts, and the expected lifetime income that would actually be provided in retirement. They also talked about uh, participant needs. And although the letter didn't offer any particular details in this regard, we know that the, the traditional factors used by experienced fiduciaries in considering the demographics of participants, uh, that would include the participant's average age, their education, and their income at the time of retirement. And of course, fiduciaries should always consider whether the costs associated with the annuity component or any other product, including the TDF product overall, need to determine that the costs are in fact reasonable in relation to the benefits and services provided. And finally, the, the letter also noted that given the differences in liquidity and transferability uh, for the annuity sleeve compared to the other components of the TDF, uh, fiduciaries should be considering what additional disclosures and education materials uh, might be needed by the participants really to understand uh, that option that they uh, that are being defaulted into. So would it be accurate, uh, just for the benefit of our audience, to say that the department is, is really saying that the uh, traditional QDIA safe harbor isn't needed for this uh, new hybrid type product with an annuity component? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. To, that would be one way to put it. Uh, another way would be to say that you know, you're, you're not marching towards the edge of the fiduciary cliff by recommending or selecting a TDF that includes 
an annuity component. But I, you know, as we've talked about here, I need to add pretty quickly that you absolutely must follow a prudent analysis uh, in evaluating the offering and follow the, re the requirements, uh, spirit and letter that are spelled out in the QDIA Safe Harbor, Safe Harbor, uh, at least those that apply generally and not just specifically the annuity. So everything beyond that liquidity and transferability aspect. You know, overall, I think the letter simply reinforces the department's interest in promoting uh, fixed annuities as an important way to avoid uh, investment and longevity risk. And it does offer suggestions for incorporating an annuity uh, into a TDF portfolio. You know, it certainly sounds uh, clearly that the Department of Labor is continuing you know, on a consistent basis to uh, encourage the, the use of annuities where, where appropriate. I also noticed recently that uh, there are other variations on, on a target date fund with uh, by, by other uh, companies with a guaranteed income string package. So uh, I, would, I would think it's likely we'll probably see more requests to the Department of Labor and, and probably positive responses if uh, if these are, are clearly uh, workable uh, within the confines of the overall uh, QDIA uh, in the future. Yeah, I agree with you, Duane. I, I think that's entirely possible and likely. Uh, I also think that we should really look at these as positive developments for those that are saving for retirement and particularly want to have a secure uh, lifetime income. And they really represent developments that have significant business opportunities for retirement advisors as well. Certainly makes sense. Uh, thanks again for the helpful information, Blaine. Thank you, Dwayne. Good to be with you again.